Hello and welcome to That Jewish News Show. I'm Laura E. Adkins, the Forward's Opinion Editor. And I'm Benjamin Cohen, our News Director. And if you're joining us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, don't forget to subscribe to, rate, and review our show. If you leave a review next week, we will give you a shout out on the episode. So extra incentive this week. No candy, no special prizes. (laughs) (laughs) Up ahead on today's show, we will be speaking with a group of moderators uh, on Reddit. It's a corner of the internet where a wildly diverse group of Jews are actually having productive conversations online, as opposed to other parts of the internet where it's uh, a hellfire. (laughs) Most other parts of the internet, yeah. Uh, But first, Laura, we we did not meet last week. Uh, You were on a little vacation. What's been going on the past two weeks? I was. You think it's hot on the East Coast in the 90s. I was in the desert of Nevada and Arizona, where it was about 115 degrees at the peak. I was mostly in Las Vegas, and I also did a little trip out to the Mojave Desert to ride ATVs around in the scorching sun. It was a lot of fun. It was a necessary break from work. Uh, I'd never been to Vegas before, so I'm glad I've seen it and can also say that the nature stuff around there is probably more my scene (laughs) than the debauchery. But it was a lot of fun. Yeah. How have you been, Benjamin? No, not much going on here. The usual uh, farm stuff. My wife, every few months, my wife likes to go on a solo hiking trip for a few days, uh, just in the middle nice. of nowhere, no cell service. It's a, it's a little... Uh, a Woman worri- after my own heart. <laughs> a little worrisome when she goes off the grid for 48 hours at a time. Um, but she left me with all the, the animal chores around the house, um, which... Uh, is usually not so bad, but we were dealing with six baby chicks right now. And so I have to, you know, we let the baby chicks in the backyard during the day and then at night I have to round them all back up and bring them back inside the house. (laughs) And herding chicks sounds very difficult. Yeah. Um, Chasing six chickens last night in the heat as the sun was setting, uh, trying to capture them all. It was it was an hour of my life. I'm not going to be getting back anytime soon. Oh man! Oh man! Hopefully, all the all the chicks are safely accounted for. Yes. Yeah. My wife's coming back today, so I will be off Excellent. chicken duty. Uh, so l- let's talk about some news of the week. Laura, you go first. Tell me what you're following today. So this morning we had some breaking news in the trial of the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting that we've been following. This morning, a jury found the shooter of the deadliest attack on American Jews at the Tree of Life synagogues in Pittsburgh eligible to receive the death penalty. In a usual trial, there are just two phases of the the trial, the guilt or innocence phase and the sentencing phase. In this particular case, the shooter's defense team asked that an additional eligibility phase be added, which is what just concluded. Hmm given the fact they used the defense that the shooter was suffering from mental illness and incapable of being held accountable for his decisions. Like many of us, after just two hours of deliberations, the jury 
found that that excuse does not hold water and that he is, in fact, eligible to receive the death penalty. So what this means in practicality, like you said, there's still a whole third phase, if you will, of the trial. Uh, I'm told from insiders, uh, some of our colleagues at the Pittsburgh Jewish Chronicle, that this next phase will probably be a few weeks, could be three weeks long, where they decide if he's Mm -hmm. uh, eligible for the death penalty. I think it has to be a unanimous decision by the jury. You know, if one mm-hmm. person doesn't think he should get the death penalty, then, then he won't. And and as we know, just in, in general, any death penalty case you followed over the years or decades, you know, these cases will be in, tied up in court for years with appeals. And, you know, it, j- it just makes me wonder, like, how, you know, how the survivors of the attack and how the Pittsburgh Jewish community will feel now but also how will they feel five years from now when it's still you know may not be resolved at at that point right and as many survivors have pointed out even those that support the death penalty obviously even the shooter getting the death penalty doesn't bring back the 11 people who were killed and doesn't really provide peace to the community that's been suffering for the past five years over this. So it's, it's certainly good that it's, it's drawing to a close, but it in no means obviously erases the suffering. But yeah, I want to put a plug up for, um, we just posted two, we're posting two pieces today that I would encourage our our listeners to look at. One is from our columnist, Rob Eshman, who uh, asked the question, you know, it's been four and a half, almost five years are we any safer today than we were five years ago? Are Jews any safer in America now? And then the other one that we're posting today is a, is a really fascinating roundtable. We gathered a bunch of rabbis. I think there's a cantor in there and maybe a, a Jewish educator as well to discuss what Jewish tradition has to say about the death penalty. So uh, we'll put yeah. links to those in our, in our show notes, but those I think uh, I would encourage our listeners to take a look at that. Definitely. On slightly lighter news, but still a serious topic, though not one of life and death, quote-unquote nice Jewish boy Jonah Hill was in the news this week, reuniting and sparking a debate about therapy speak and gaslighting when his former girlfriend Sarah Brady posted texts from him, which, at least to me and many others, demonstrated a pattern of controlling behavior, including policing what Brady could or couldn't post online, her work and modeling gigs she could or couldn't take, her friendships with men. I was on vacation and trying not to read the news, so I only so far have seen one side of this story, Sarah Brady's posts, but it does seem bad. It does seem like controlling behavior. And as someone who has written publicly about, you know, what having a partner or an ex who tries to exhibit control over you can do to you psychologically. It, it certainly does not seem great on, on Hill's side, but what, what are you thinking about this case? Benjamin? You know, just zooming out. So, you know, Jonah Hill is a famous actor and, you know, his, his girlfriend's sharing texts I think they're from a year ago uh, when they were together, no longer together. Uh, and so, you know, one of the questions we asked ourselves in our newsroom is, you know, this is kind of she's she's trying, you know, um, to shame him publicly. And we talked about, you know, what is we always like to bring it back to the Jew, you know, to Jewish issues. What is the Talmud? What is the Torah? What does what rabbinic tradition teach us about um, public humiliation? 
And so the Talmud, you know, explicitly warns against public humiliation, although obviously there are some exceptions. Um, and one of the interesting exceptions our Nora Berman, uh, deputy opinion editor, wrote about was when the two people involved are of different social standing. So in this instance, Jonah Hill is a you know, A-list famous actor. His girlfriend is, is not as famous. And so the, in an instance when there's a power imbalance, and we saw this obviously during the Me Too movement, when there's a power imbalance, that sometimes in those instances, Lush and Hara, uh, you know, slander, negative gossip, uh, might be might be permitted. I mean, we also have to ask, like, what was her, what was her intended goal here? You know, if this was something she just wanted to get off her chest, was she trying to embarrass him? You know, we don't know the inner workings uh, of their relationship, but it, it did it did spark a, an interesting conversation about slander in Jewish law, which which is always good when we can take tabloidy news stories <laughs> and, and turn them into Torah lessons. Totally, I will admit that. I popped very briefly into Twitter when I was on my trip when this was first popping up and I saw Emily Nussbaum, a writer who I love and respect, tweeted something about, you know, it's usually not good even if an ex is being shitty to post old conversations from them. And I think I liked her tweet, not knowing the context, but I was pretty compelled by Nora's writing uh, and the argument in general that it's not quote unquote, gossiping when you're shedding light on something that could help other people uh-huh. handle it better. That's interesting. Um, and obviously we haven't heard, you know, Jonah's Hill side of the story. So, right. Right. Um, one other uh, couple, one or two more pieces of news, and then we're going to bring on the uh, some Jewish moderate, some moderators of Reddit's Jewish forum. This was a story, you know, there's been lots of contraction, obviously, in the media business in the last several years. And there was two stories that kind of collided this week that 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 uh, came to our attention. That is the Los Angeles Times is um, and the New York Times uh, both announced this week that they are shutting down their sports sections uh, in the print edition. They're no longer going to print like a separate sports section. And, you know, they're, gonna, they're still going to cover sports, but it'll just be part of the newspaper or they'll obviously be doing lots of stories online. And our Lewis Keene from L.A., who is our in-house sports reporter, uh, said, you know, this will adversely impact uh, Orthodox people, or especially like Orthodox kids. And he explained, it was just pretty fascinating, and he wrote an article about this, is that there is a lot of uh, Orthodox uh, kids who wake up Saturday morning, and it's kind of like a Shabbat ritual. They open up the paper, and they look at the Friday night box scores from the game from the night on Friday night. And mm-hmm. He interviewed some people who were like talking about how it was such a formative experience for them walking to synagogue Saturday morning, talking about the box scores with with dad, you know, and it was just this really nice experience that these kids will no longer be able to do because there won't be a, a news a sports section with box scores on Saturday morning. And he interviewed this one person who uh, who now works, who's an adult who now works with Jewish youth sports, and he went so far as to say. You know, who knows what this could lead to? Uh, these kids maybe will now, you know, pick up a telephone. These observant kids who normally don't touch electronics on Shabbat will might be tempted to pick up their telephone on Saturday morning to find out uh, what the box scores are. So again, it's you know, it's one of these things. It's like, yeah, it's another story which you know, you see Jonah Hill. You know, <laughs> we see sports sections closing, and right. we really try hard here to work for our readers at the forward to find Jewish angles. To just about anything. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not particularly compelled by slippery slope arguments. And again, having lived in orthodox communities with young people, as you also have, if people are going to use their phones, they don't need an extra excuse to, right. to sneak behind. But right. I certainly do know that being able to check the sports scores the next morning um, is a nice perk of having the sports section maybe now they'll do the time-honored tradition of asking the janitor about right. the, uh, the right. games tonight who, who won last night yeah exactly but last thing before we get to our special guests that we're very excited to bring on there is unfortunately or fortunately yet another social media platform in existence uh meta the parent company of facebook Basically, in my noob understanding, as they say, uh, cloned Twitter and made a version with fewer features that everyone is touting as the next big thing. It does have 100 million people on there so far, and I, it is run. I'm <laughs> on there. us. Yeah. Yeah. The forward is on there. I am on there. Benjamin's on there. Uh, I think my first post was an account I love called old Jewish men that, that posted, where the hell am I? So that's kind of my feelings about the platform <laughs> so far. But if you're on threads, the forward is at JD forward. Benjamin is at Benjamin Cohen with an underscore between the N of Benjamin and the C of Cohen. And I am still using my handle from high school, which is at Adkins Debate. Oh, is that where that's from? I was always wondering. I just figured you're an op-ed person. You're always... You know, it actually came very nerdily from freshman year of high school. I was the one that would do a lot of the prep work for the novice debate team. So I set up an, a Gmail account, Adkins Debate, where I'd post all the cases. And <laughs> it just kind of stuck. So... Adkins debate also works very well for my uh, chosen occupation. That's so funny. <laughs> so for our main story this week, for our main interview, I wanted to, we want to talk about another social media platform, not threads, but this is a social media platform uh, that I want to admit right up front that I know basically nothing about. Uh, so I'm going to just put that out there. Uh, we're talking about uh, Reddit, which I would try to explain, but I don't. So Laura, why don't you give us a little <laughs> bit of an introduction and introduce our guests? Yes. So Reddit is definitely not new. It's a place where many of us uh, kind of millennials grew up online a little bit, I would say. And this week we're talking to the moderators behind what is quite possibly the only place 86,000 Jews of all kinds regularly meet. And many Americans, like Benjamin said, either aren't familiar with Reddit or heard of it during the years leading up to the Trump administration when it hosted a lot of vitriol on some of its other platforms. But the r slash Judaism Reddit community was created 15 years ago, well before all of that and has been going strong ever since. And we wanted to bring on the people that help make the magic happen behind the scenes to, to explain for us and our listeners what this place is and its significance in American Jewish life. So welcome, Andrew, J JD. That's right. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having us. We are, I will preface this, we are only yeah. two of a team. Okay. Um, so don't don't blame us for everything. We have many other <laughs> moderators. They they were either not willing to go on a video or just 
are busy with actual life off the internet. Yeah, well, thank you children. both for taking the time. Yeah, I appreciate that. So imagine, I, I feel like I'm like Clint Eastwood, you know, saying, get off my lawn, little kids. Like, please explain to me what is, uh, what is Reddit for those people like myself who don't know what it is. So I think of it more as a decentralized social media in that you can post to Reddit, but you can't post to Reddit directly. Rather, you have to post to topical communities called subreddits. So everything works together, but you post to, you know, we are the moderators of our Judaism, but there's the pictures, the funny, uh, that's start like beekeeping or I discovered romance books today because I was sending my wife memes. So whatever, whatever topic you want is there. And beyond that, we are not the only Jewish subreddit. There's a, a large community of them because you can make your own community as you go. So if you don't necessarily like how Neymar and myself and the other mods are running this one, there are breakout groups. There is a subreddit for ex-Jews. There's a subreddit for gay Jews. There, I'm looking at the list here. There's a reformed Jewish one. There's a Yiddish one. So it's our Judaism is recognized, I would think is safe to say, as kind of the central one. Um, but we are, we are by no means exclusive or, or, uh, right. or absolute in, in who we are. And, and so what are the types of conversations? Is it, I mean, I'm picturing just from what I know from other social networks where it's just people yelling at each other, but what's, what's going on in, 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 in and your that's neck still of the pretty woods? accurate. <laughs> uh, uh <-huh. laughs> but Jewish, but yeah. Jewish. let's see the last three posts, right. And these are, these are called text posts where, you, you can write a title, you can maybe put it in a text box, they're generally questions, um, distinguished from image posts or link posts. So the, the, the last three in the last hour, um, the first one is what feels anti-Semitic but isn't? The next <laughs> one is titled, uh, Puzzled Atheist Receives a Mezuzah from a Christian Minister. And that, that one actually we get relatively frequently of I'm a Christian. I'm not Jewish. Someone just gave me this weird candelabra with nine branches. What do I, you know, what am I supposed to do with it? And then, mm -hmm. um, then the third one here uh, is called considering breaking kosher. And so, mm -hmm. you know, these are posed, these are it, just three of a snapshot, but if you go on, you'll see, we do have a really good, good spread of denominations mm -hmm. of, of identities of people from all over the globe. And so someone coming in saying, I've had a really, you know, hard relationship with my Judaism. I'm now a young adult. I want to break kosher. I need some feedback here. Um, and we have responses from, from people all across every Jewish spectrum you can imagine responding and kind of giving their yeah. positions. Yeah. Just one more thing, just to finish setting the table. Cause I think I'm finally grasping this. So <laughs> this is, this is not owned by like a, you know, a meta or, or a Google, you guys are moderators. What is, what is your role as, are you volunteer moderators and what is your role? Uh, we're, we are unpaid volunteer moderators and our role is to keep the peace and keep the conversation flowing nicely. Yeah. I mean this, this, and I think we'll address this um, at least from the emails, but you know, there, there was a blow up in the last couple of weeks that commonly referred to as the moderator strike or the Reddit strike. And a lot of that was about access and about uh, participation with the site. And we are volunteers, right? We don't have to be there. We do it because we enjoy doing it. And I feel, especially for the Jewish subreddit, uh, for the Judaism subreddit and, and the Jewish community online in general, we do it because this is kind of mm -hmm. our space um, mm -hmm. where the, the 10 or so moderators on this, this subreddit 
very few of us have met each other in person. Neymar and I have talked a few times over the phone, um, but we do it not for the benefit of Reddit. We don't do it for the benefit of any company or anything. It's it's for the Jewish community who wants to be yeah. who wants to be on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the Reddit strike. So as as we've discussed, each subreddit basically operates on the Reddit platform, but is run semi-independently by the moderators of that particular channel. And we can get into some of the rules that you and your co-moderators have set up, but what what was the strike? How does a strike of unpaid people work? What what were the changes that were being proposed by Reddit that that led to this situation? It was less of a strike and more of a protest to say, look, this website gets nothing it, 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 you know, outside of its users, and, and that mm-hmm. includes the moderators. So if we don't want to participate or if we want to ruin the site, we could do it pretty easily. No one wants to, of course, um, because we do enjoy this. It's a great hobby. I think, you know, I've been on it for more than a decade. Namer's been on it for more than a decade. Um, so it is a big part really of, our, of our lives, and we, we enjoy doing it. For better or worse. So does Reddit itself restrict what people can or cannot post on the site beyond what each sub-community sets as rules for itself. Can, can you post Holocaust denial, anti-Semitic stuff? Outside of mm-hmm. legal issues, you can post whatever you want. Uh, and yeah, people mm-hmm. absolutely post those. There are subreddits de- devoted to those things, unfortunately. There there have been waves of kind of purging a lot of those views and a lot of the communities. So uh, t- trying to restrict a, an individual user or a, a, a set of posts is its own thing, but restricting subreddits. So um, this was in 2004 to the, or no, sorry, 2014, 2015. That was when our Holocaust, that was the name of the subreddit Holocaust got really, really big. Um, and that was fully a fully functioning yeah. denial and, and revisionist subreddit. Um, it was really, you wouldn't go there if you were sober. And I wouldn't go there anyways. Yeah. Um, um, so I was, I forget exactly how I, I really started this, but I was in touch with, uh, someone who was more keen on designing subreddits. Um, and she and I got together and created our Hashoah. And that was kind of our response to say, look, if you want to talk about the Shoah and World War II, and then we kind of broadened it to like genocides in general. So including the Holomodor and Rwanda and a lot of the other ones. Um, so we created that. Of course, you know, very few people don't know or know what Shoah means. And so sure. it, the, the migration really wasn't that clear. But that's an example of, you know, we can kind of create the balance. And then a handful of years later, and Neymar, I forget exactly when, it was maybe 2017, 2018, when the big purge of getting a lot of oh, that was... colloquially right-wing subreddits, but Holocaust denial, really violent, misogynistic, racist, just really terrible subreddits were booted. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, they always pop up, but mm-hmm. Reddit does control that in many ways. So uh, you have in your group... R slash Judaism, you have over 80,000 members, right? Yes. You know, that's a large community. So you guys, we've talked about how all sorts of things are allowed on Reddit in other rooms, but in your room, I'm sorry if I'm an old fogey saying it's a chat room, (laughs) in your room, you have a no politics rule, uh, right? So can you talk about, so I want to know like how you came up with that idea. How how do you enforce it? How does Israel fit into that? That's that's, that's actually a question. Um, So... Paul, it's it's a rule from I believe 2018, where I mm-hmm. noticed uh, pretty much the rhetoric under Trump really affected political discussions everywhere, 
and it got to the point where I had to get everyone together and say, like, we, we something needs to happen because every single post that was politically political in nature just devolved into a shouting match, and it was awful. And I think mm-hmm. what, to me personally, led to this discussion was the Pittsburgh shooting, where this is, to me, this is that is the result of this kind of vitriol, is you have violence, mm-hmm. and you have this constant pressure and headspace for it. And that was, for me, I, I, I found my old logs about that was like something to change and it took me a few months to formulate this idea i think everyone was on board with it and this and it and this came from all sides of every spectrum um and we found that you know the the purpose of this subreddit is not to debate kind of to to debate jews in the modern world it's to be jewish it's to allow that space so people can post about whatever they want a funny post from yesterday was is it offensive to have a mezuzah case with dogs on it? It was at a veterinarian's office. So we don't want that to be mixed up with, well, this Biden appointee or this Israeli, you know, Knesset member said this really stupid thing. And all of a sudden, you know, it all blows up. Um, mm-hmm. And so that that came of that. And then Israel, of course, is more difficult. Um, but largely it's because we as the moderator team, we are diverse. I'm heterodox in full. Um, I think most of the team is probably more on the orthodox side. We we don't share political views or Zionist views, right? It's all very um, across the spectrum. And we realize that that is global Judaism. Global Jewry also has that. Not every Jew is American. Not every Jew is Israeli. Not every Jew, you know, is a Jabotinsky revisionist or a, or a Likudnik or a laborite. So that's when we kind of said, you know what, we're not we're not even going to talk about it. We have one thread every other day, a mega thread, where if you really want to talk politics, you can go into that thread. Um, and that's an automated. An, and an for automated really, posting. really big things, we um, do make mega threads. Uh, when, when something just right. outlandish happens, we will like, hey, we know you want there's a need to discuss this. You want to like Kanye. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you had a yeah, Yep. Yeah. I was actually surprised that the, that the Janine attack didn't cause that amount of uproar on the subreddit mm. um, because in the past, Cast Led created oh, a yeah. huge post, and we had to have mega threads and like really force people to go into one room because, frankly, I mean, I don't go on on our Judaism to debate Israel, so I don't want to even see those posts. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. if we can put them all. So when you say mega thread, you basically tell users, hey, you're not allowed to talk about this anywhere on this subreddit except for this one post that we're setting up. It's like a so breakout room. Yeah, exactly. over here so other people don't have to see yeah. it. Got yeah, it. It's a breakout That's room. Really That's a good way of putting it. And we do, um, we have mega threads, regular mega threads throughout the week. So um, what's the one today? General name, discussion. Or is that general? Yeah, they're, they're, more, they're more topical. Yep. Like, oh, just uh, Monday, it's mm-hmm. no such thing as a dumb question. Uh, because I just want a place of people, to, you know, you, even if you feel you don't have a place to post it, because you're like, oh, my question is so silly, I don't want to post it. Well, here's a place for it. Uh, Thursday. Mm. So people can ask like questions like, why do you know, why did Jews not eat milk and meat or something if they want to ask yeah, a question they, like that? People can make that post sure. regardless, but if they feel that they don't want to mm-hmm. for whatever reason, some people feel intimidated or they just feel ashamed, embarrassed, whatever. Any reason, just it's an encouragement to post it. And it's not just Jews on. It, it's on mostly the Jews, but it's right? not just Jews. Cool. And we and there's no way people have asked us, you know, can't you kick out all the Christians? We're like, one, <laughs> we don't want to, but also no, there's yeah. no we way of, the of doing that. Yeah. We mm. yeah we we do draw some hard lines just for because our job is not to guide the conversation, but 
I mean, our, our self yeah. self-described job, um, but to keep a, a healthy community. So we have a very strict, no proselytizing rule. You can huh. come in and ask, you know, w- you know, ask for some type of Jewish apologetics or try and debate it or something like that. But the moment a it moment. veers into, well, why haven't you thought about this? Why haven't you thought uh-huh. about this point of view of my religion? That's when we wow. say, have a nice yeah. life. Goodbye. Right. And you, you, yeah. you have the ability to, to boot yes. a person from yep. the room. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. What have been, I mean, you mentioned some of the Israel specific ones. What have been for you individually, some of the most memorable times or biggest challenges as moderators? So I did mention mm. Pittsburgh because that was, that was, awful like the fallout and the discussion for a couple days afterwards about right about people were debating you know was it a right-wing attack a neutral political neutral attack you know what maybe it was this it was it was pretty bad but there's been lots of good also i mean ever ever since my day one of moderating it was oh i actually became a moderator because i just wanted to organize a weekly Tavartora on the subreddit. And actually that's that's how I got involved as a mod is that I took over that project, the Devartora one. And that petered out after a couple of years just because it, you know, getting volunteers and 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 people to write Devartora is, is difficult. Um, but I've taken that. I like doing little projects on it. So um, my current kind of ongoing project is I make mega threads ahead of of most of the major Chagim and some of the minor ones. I just did the first one for Tzom Tammuz, which I've never done before. Um, <laughs> and so these mega threads, unlike the ones we talked about earlier, these ones I say explicitly at the top, this is not supposed to limit conversation. This is not supposed to limit posts about this Chag. But if you have a question, if you want uh, just to say something about the Chag, right? We have a user who is very vocal about their opinions on each Chag. And I, I enjoy seeing their comments in these mega threads because why they like Purim and not Pesach, who knows? Um, but, uh, but that's always fun for me because like I said, the reason that I'm doing this is for the community um, and those types of threads. And we get great commentaries and, and really healthy arguments and debates and references. And um, it's really beautiful to see real global Judaism really coming is. together and having Artem and Ashkenazim argue and bicker about kidney oat is just hilarious. <laughs> okay. So, okay. After our conversation now, I, you, you've convinced me that I should dip my toe into the Reddit water. So for people like me who are, are listening, have never been on to Reddit. How do we, how do we get on? Where do we find you? Reddit.com slash R slash Judaism is where, we are okay. is where our community is, and it, I think it's lovely, lovely community to join. And you can poke your head in if you're not sure if you want to join Reddit yet. You can see our slash Judaism without making an, a Reddit account or anything. But to participate, you need to sign up for Reddit itself, and then join yes, it. and it's free, right? It's free, and it's it's unlike a lot of the other social media. So you see, for neighbor and me, we we have our names slash uh, another name. That's our username, and it's it's totally anonymous if you would like it to be, um, and it doesn't require email, it doesn't require phone, it doesn't require connecting to any other social media network or site. Um, so I, I would wager that most long-term uh, Redditors have multiple usernames for different uses, um, hmm. and so it's, it's free and quick and easy. All right. Well, uh, Andrew, JD, thank you so much for taking time out of your moderation duties to come and explain Reddit. And, and tell us about the intricacies of r slash Judaism. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us.
That was interesting. So, okay, that was the first time I, I've, I think I've understood what Reddit is. Oh, good. Um, yeah. yeah, I definitely like Reddit. I am definitely one of the people that stays anonymous just because in every other place, I don't really post on Reddit, but in every other social media place, I feel like I'm so public that I do enjoy right. being in some communities uh, where I can stay a little bit anonymous. But yeah, it's usually a really interesting place. I'm glad we understand a little bit behind the scenes now. Yeah. So before we end the show, uh, let's get to our recommendations. Laura, you uh, you can go first. Sure. So I binged a really interesting podcast called Finding Q by Nikki Wolf. It's a basically a deep dive journey tracking down the creators, enablers, and victims of QAnon. Uh, Nikki Wolf started out trying to figure out who who was Q, basically, who was the person spreading these conspiracy theories. And it kind of evolved into answering that question, but also platforming testimonies from people whose family members had been lost to these crazy conspiracy theories, lost metaphorically. Um, it's about eight hours long, and I binged it all in one weekend. And it's only available on Audible, I believe, unfortunately, but I found it really, really interesting. What about you? A few days ago, the New York Times ran a fascinating profile of uh, Uri Geller. Now, Uri Geller, I, I mean, I grew up you know, hearing about him. I'm not sure everyone else knows who he is, but he's this Israeli mentalist. And this summer marks the 50th anniversary of when he became famous. He um, was on a TV show, I think in, in Britain, 50 years ago. And he bent a spoon using just his mind, using just his psychic powers. And he became famous for the spoon. He became the spoon bending guy. And a lot of magicians uh, did not like Uri Geller because Uri Geller was kept saying, I'm not a magician. I'm just a psychic. I can bend spoons. And so a lot of magicians, they actually wrote books that were anti Uri Geller books. And it was a whole uh, world in the magician world that just didn't like Uri Geller. So what the story was that the New York Times wrote about was, these magicians have finally all come around and now they're all Uri Geller fans. And, you know, he's like in his 70s right now. And one of them, one of his original skeptics has written a, uh, a pro Uri Geller book. It's called it's his former rival wrote this book called Bend It Like Geller. And so that just came out. And there's if you ever in Tel Aviv, Uri Geller set up uh, a museum for himself in Tel Aviv and you can actually go and and I think he he gives tours there so you can actually go and he, he gives tours in the museum and bend a spoon for you if you ask him to so anyway that is my uh, recommendation it's this fascinating profile of uri geller in the new york times and we will of course put a link to it in the show notes we shall we shall awesome well i'm glad that we're back the gang is back together Binyamin. Right. uh this was really interesting and we won't tell you who yet but we have a very exciting guest right. next week so stay tuned watch this space as they say <laughs> Take care. We'll see you around. See you around. Bye-bye. Bye. That Jewish News Show is hosted and produced by me, Laura E. Atkins, and Binyamin Cohen. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to, rate, and review That Jewish News Show wherever you're listening. We'd also be ever so grateful if you'd share today's episode with a friend or two. You can reach me and Binyamin at That Jewish News Show at forward.com or by calling or texting 201-228-0412. That Jewish News Show is a production of The Forward. 
Our editor-in-chief is Jody Rudoran, and our CEO is Rachel Fishman-Fetterson. Our theme music is by The Fly Guy 5. The Forward Association is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and The Forward was founded in 1897.